Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Stand with me this morning. It's good to see you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look marvelous today. How many of you are enjoying the hot weather? Carrie and I, our hot water heater went out yesterday. And so cold showers will really wake you up. I feel like one right now. How about you? Well, we've been on a series um, about the Holy Spirit. This is our fourth installment. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the Gospel of John. This is John 20. And I'd like for us to read a verse together before we're seated. And Jesus is uh, getting ready to ascend. Before he ascends, many things happen. He gathers his disciples together. And in verse 22, he says, Jesus is speaking, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Say that last line with me. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now let's all say it together. Here we go. Receive the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your love toward us. And Lord, let this word go deep into our hearts and our mind and our spirit. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. Isn't it interesting that Jesus breathed on his disciples, much like the creation story, that God formed Adam from the dust of the earth and he breathed into him and made him a living soul. Now, the Holy Spirit is God, and the Holy Spirit is God working personally in our lives. Now, if you're new today, uh, and if you haven't heard much about the Holy Spirit or heard a lot of sermons or scriptures on the Holy Spirit, then you may be a little tentative about what we're going to speak about. But let me assure you, we've tried to be as scripturally as accurate as we can on this uh, series. So if I get out of the book, just look at me and just say, I think he's out of the book. But as long as I'm in the book, how many of you will smile at me and help me preach? Amen. Someone said, if you have the word without the spirit, you'll dry up. If you have the spirit without the word, you'll blow up. <laughs> if you have the spirit and the word, you'll grow up. Jesus said this, he said, my words are spirit and they are life. So we have to have the Holy Spirit in the parameter of the word, and the word without the spirit is pretty dry. How many of you have been in that church? It's just not much of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not an it, not an invisible, independent force, not just some manifestation that just appeared at Pentecost, not an impersonal power or force sent by God. So if you would allow me just to give a few references, we did this about a month ago, and I want to go back and not give you all of those, but if we can get some references on some of the titles, the work, and the names of the Holy Spirit, then it helps us to know the characteristics and the purpose and the working of the Holy Spirit. Let me give Give you a few. Spirit of glory, the Spirit of the Lord, God, Spirit of revelation, Spirit of the Son, Spirit of God, eternal Spirit, Spirit of wisdom, Spirit of counsel, Spirit of might, Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of knowledge, Spirit of the fear of the Lord, Spirit of judgment, Spirit of burning, Spirit of the Lord God, the breath of the Almighty, Comforter, Spirit of truth, power of the highest, Spirit of the Father, the Spirit, the Good Spirit, the Holy Spirit. How many of you know we're talking about the Holy Spirit? 
So if you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 2. This is when the Holy Spirit and filled believers, day of Pentecost, and we live under that same dispensation, same time, age of grace, church age, whatever you want to call it, last days, we're living under the same time where the Holy Spirit fell on those believers. Verse 4, listen as I read, and they were all filled, say that with me, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues, other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now the question I want to pose to you this morning is who is the all? Who is the all? They were all filled. So question, who is the all? And I, and I want to just uh, delineate this out this morning because this is what I believe. And I think you should believe this also. We, we assemble here believing the word of God. Our doctrine must be based on the Word of God. We can't come to church and be part of a church that's based on culture. We can't be based just on fellowship. We just can't be based on denominationalism. We must have a firm foundation under us based on the Word of God. So we want to know what the Word of God says. So who was the all in Acts chapter 2? And the good news is Acts chapter 1 begins to explain that and share that with us. So who were the all? Well, verses 13 through 15. There was Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, Judas, the son of James. Verse 14, the women. Say that with me. The women. No names, just the women. You say, well, how come they listed some of the names of the men, but not the women? You have to understand the culture at the time. So they list the women. Um, but there is one name notable there among the women. Mary, the mother of Jesus. So she's listed by name. So Jesus' mother, Mary, is there with the all. Then we have his brothers were there. Now, the names of the brothers aren't listed here in Acts chapter 1, but in Matthew chapter 13, 55, we, we do have the brothers' names listed. There's James and Joseph, or Joseph, Simon and Jude, or Judas. So we have the names of some of the brothers of Jesus. Now, listen, this is why this is important. These are half-brothers of Jesus. Jesus was born of a virgin, but Mary was not a perpetual virgin. Now, why do we know that? Because that's what the Word of God says. So Mary was not a perpetual virgin. She had other children after the birth of Jesus. Now, he is the immaculate conception, but there are brothers, and there were sisters also. Jesus had sisters. Now, we don't know what their names are, but the women, we didn't have names for the women, and it could be that some of Jesus' sisters, half-sisters, were there. We know his brothers were there, but we just don't know their names. Now, other mention, uh, people are mentioned in, in uh, uh, verse 23 of Acts uh, chapter 1. Justice and, and Matthias were there, so we know they were present. Verse 15, uh, Peter addresses the disciples and the number of the disciples recorded there at this time is 120. So in the upper room they were all filled, listen including apostles, women, men and those referred to as disciples numbering 120. So let me ask you some questions. Are you ready for some questions? This is not school but it's pretty close, right? So let me ask you some questions. Um were the apostles the only ones to receive and be filled with the Holy Spirit? No. 
Okay, good answer. Were the men the only ones filled with the Holy Spirit? No. So we know there were apostles there. We know there were men there. We know there were women there. We, were, we know there were disciples there that weren't apostles there. So we know the apostles, the women, the men referred to as disciples. Those people were there, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So we go to Acts 2, and this continues on. So Peter is preaching after the infilling and the, uh, the, the fall and the, uh, the Holy Spirit coming upon them. And he refers to the prophet Joel, Old Testament, and he says this. He says, the Holy Spirit is available for all flesh. So everyone has the possibility of receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, will everyone be filled with the Holy Spirit? The answer is no. Now, why? The Holy Spirit is given to those who are obedient, those who seek him, those who are hungry, those who have an open heart to receive the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is available, according to Scripture, to all flesh. He says your sons and daughters can have the Holy Spirit. Your men servants, your maid servants can have the Holy Spirit. So it's not just an ethnic thing. It's not a generic thing. It's not a gender thing. It's not a class thing. It's not an economic thing. How many of you know it's a God thing? So, you know, despite color, education, money, economy, he says we can all be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he, he, he shares this with them. They respond and they said, what shall we do? And we know 3,000 people believe that day. And he says, the promise is to you, your children, to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the last verse in Acts chapter 2, the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Now, folks, that's a lot of people that we talked about in Acts 1 and 2. So I want to set the record straight biblically because I hear this. Well, only certain people got the Holy Spirit. It was just the apostles got the Holy Spirit. Just the men got the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, the Bible is just pretty clear. Just tells us who was filled. J.S. Baxter said, what God chooses, he cleanses. What God cleanses, he molds. What God molds, he fills. And what God fills, he uses. The Lord wants to use you. And he wants to use me. And he's going to empower us with his divine spirit. Last week, I gave you five evidences of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Let me just refresh you with those. The first one was the evidence of tongues. So in the initial infilling of the Holy Spirit, we know from through the book of Acts, even to Corinthians, we know that when they received the Holy Spirit, there was the evidence of tongues. Also, the second evidence was there was an infusion of power. The third one was a holy boldness that came upon them. The fourth is that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we become effective witnesses. The Holy Spirit makes witnesses out of weaklings. So the Holy Spirit helps us there. The fifth thing, we begin to manifest and see the fruit of the Spirit in our life. It's an evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace. So we have that evidence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Let me give you one more uh, this morning, very quickly. Another evidence of the Holy Spirit working in our lives is spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. So 1 Corinthians 12, just take a note here, 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that the Holy Spirit gives gifts severally or individually as he wills. Can I give you a heads up? You don't have all the spiritual gifts. I don't have all the spiritual gifts. You may have one or two, you may have three or four, but you don't have all of them. If I have everything I needed on all the gifts, then I would have no need of you. 
And the Bible says nobody can say, I have no need of you. So you complete me, I hopefully complete you. We are the body of Christ. We're, we're the body of Christ collectively, corporately, but it takes all of us to make up the body of Christ. How many of you understood what I said? So spiritual gifts. Now he lists those spiritual gifts in chapter 12, and he says word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. So he gives us nine in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, here again, this is not a pick-or-choose list. They're either all here or none of them are here. And I believe they're all here because the Holy Spirit's still here. So if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gifts us, and we have the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, understand that we all need to have wisdom. How many know wisdom's a good thing? But you having wisdom is not necessarily a gift of the Holy Spirit. We all have some knowledge, but that's not necessarily a gift of the Holy Spirit. We should all have faith. Matter of fact, the Bible says to every man is given the measure of faith. But there is a spiritual gift of faith. There's gifts of healing, workings of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. I, you know, I have a prayer language, but I don't have the gift of tongues. How many of you know what I just said? My wife has the gift of tongues. I don't have the gift of tongues. But yet I can speak in tongues. I have a prayer language. But that does not mean I have the gift of tongues. I may have the evidence, but I may not have the gift. Romans 12 gives us other spiritual gifts to add to this. And it's very clear, Paul is writing to the church, and he says the Spirit gives us these gifts, and he says serving or ministry. These talks about teaching, exhortation, encouragement, giving, leadership, and mercy. We have people in our church that are gifted by the Holy Spirit with every one of these. Every one of these. Now, everyone should be serving somewhere, but some people have the gift of serving in ministry. We should all be teaching. You're teaching your kids, your grandkids. Maybe you're a school teacher. Maybe you're helping someone else. But some people have the gift of teaching. We should all be exhorting or giving people encouragement. But how many of you know some people have the gift of encouragement? Brian Fisher. Goodness gracious. I mean, you can be so low, you get around Brian Fisher, you, you just, you're just supercharged. Uh, because some people have the gift. Um, we have people who have the gift of giving. Everyone should give, but some people have the gift of giving. God supernaturally puts monetary things or possessions in their hands, and they supernaturally can give that. They have the gift of giving. Everybody should give. Some people have the gift of giving. Some people have the gift of leadership. We all should be leaders. You're leading a, uh, a family. You're leading your kids, your grandkids. You're leading a company, corporation. But some people have the gift of leadership. We should all be showing mercy. Okay, let me say that again. We should all be showing mercy. But some people have the gift of mercy and some people don't have the gift of mercy and I will not call you out today. <laughs> but some people have the gift of mercy and that's so true. Now, let's move on here. The Holy Spirit did not just appear on the day of Pentecost. How many of you know the Holy Spirit has always been here? Before anything was created, the Holy Spirit was always here. So I want to give you just a couple of thoughts here as we get ready to close this out today because I think we need to understand this. It will help us personally. First of all, the Holy Spirit was active in creation. 
Say that with me. The Holy Spirit was active in creation. Now let's all say it. Here we go. The Holy Spirit was active in creation. So God spoke in the beginning. God spoke and created the heavens and the earth. Then we have it delineated how he did. Day one, day two, day three, four, five, six. Rest on day seven. So the word is spoken. Verse 2, now this is the beginning of the beginning, and the earth was without form, void, darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. This is very important. As the Word goes forth, the Holy Spirit takes the Word and does something with the Word. Folks, that's why it's so important for us to believe, receive, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you speak the Word, what happens? The Holy Spirit fills your words and helps you in giving the word. So Job 33, 4, he says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty has given me life. So we're talking about the creative power of the Holy Spirit. The other one is the Holy Spirit is involved in the miraculous. The Holy Spirit is involved in the miraculous. How many of you would agree with me that we need to see more miracles, signs, and wonders through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe we're going to see those. We already see those. There's people here today that medical science and the best they could do could not give them a good prognosis. Matter of fact, we have people sitting right here today where they have heard, I don't know if this is going to happen, but they're still here today because of the power of Almighty God. So we're going to see a greater emphasis and more demonstration evidence of the Holy Spirit working the miraculous. Matthew chapter 12, verse 28, But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God. Now this is Jesus speaking. He says, guess how devils are going to be cast out. He says, by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. So he said it's done by the Spirit of God. Romans 15. Now Paul is telling us how he went out. You know, he had three missionary journeys. So he goes out to the Jews and the Gentiles, and he says, I just didn't speak the word. Listen to what he says. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me, in word and deed, to make the Gentiles obedient. Look at verse 19. In mighty signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. He says to the Corinthians, he said, when I came to you, it wasn't just in word only, but it was in word and by the demonstration of the power of God. So we have to have the Holy Spirit involved in the miraculous. Let me give you a little reference point here. You remember when Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2? Then Acts 3 comes along, and there's a lame man laid by the beautiful gate going into the temple. You remember what happened? Peter and John are walking by. Now, here's a note. This guy was laid how often at the gate? Daily. Daily. So every day he's laid at that gate. Peter and John walk by, and Peter looks at him, and he says, Now you look on us. We don't have money. We don't have silver and gold, but we do have something. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he grabs him by the hand, pulls him up. He says, Rise up and walk. This guy has never, ever walked before. Never. P 
Peter has to give a response in chapter 3 of what happened because a crowd gathers. This verse 12. So get in your mind, crowd gathers. So when Peter saw the crowd, he responds to the people. Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as through our own power, our own godliness, we have made this man walk? So how did he walk? The power of God through the name of Jesus brought him up from that lame, paralytic position. But this is what I want you to catch. This guy, what, has never walked. According to Scripture, he has been lame, how long? From his mother's womb. He's never walked. When Peter took him by the hand, would you agree with me, some type of creative miracle had to happen in his legs and his feet and his body. Some type of creative miracle had to happen in his body for this guy to get up and walk. And folks, listen, he just didn't get up and walk. He leaped. And he went into the temple leaping and praising God and giving praise to God. This guy got the whole dose, I'm telling you. So there had to be a creative miracle in the name of Jesus. There was something creative that happened in his body that brought him up from that place to make him be able to do what he did because he had never walked. Here's the next one. The Holy Spirit is involved in redemption. The Holy Spirit is involved in redemption. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And here's a verse you know. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, and this is what Jesus tells him. This is in John 3, 5. Jesus said, except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, Say that with me. And of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. How many of you know you have to have the Holy Spirit's work in your life just to come to Jesus? So we have to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Now let me give you a definition of redemption. You may not know this and probably you do. Redemption is payment for release. Redemption is a ransom. Let's say somebody kidnaps you. I don't know why they wouldn't do that, but if they did. If somebody kidnaps you, most of the times, what do they want? They want a ransom. They want to be paid for release. This happens in foreign countries all the time. They want a ransom. When Adam fell into sin, sin passed on to everybody, and we are held captive by our own sin nature. What did God do? He says, I need a ransom to free them. Jesus Christ is the ransom for you to go free. Now, if you say, Pastor, I don't believe that. Well, I'm, you're wrong, but let me read you something here. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6, this is what Paul says. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for everyone. Jesus gave his life as a ransom for everyone. You can go free. I can be free from bondage, from sin, from all those things that keep me back because Jesus is a ransom for me. This is what he did. He came to me and he said, Mike, you're in sin. You've fallen short of the glory of God. You're not righteous, but this is what I'll do. I'm going to give my life for your life. I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to give you my perfection. I'm going to give you all the things that I have into you. 
and then I'm going to take your sin nature to the cross, pay the price as a ransom for you, and now you can go free. That doesn't make you something uh, really divine, but it makes the divine a part of your life as far as ransom. How many of you understood what I said? So involved in redemption. Now here's the last one. The Holy Spirit's involved in our regeneration and renewing. Regeneration and renewing. I'm going to give you one verse. Titus chapter 3 verse 5. Paul is writing to a young man by the name of Titus. He says, Titus, the love of God and the kindness of God did not appear because you're good. And you know that's true. He says, the love of God, the kindness of God did not appear, but by the works of righteousness which we've done. You, you, you don't have the kindness of God or the love of God by the righteousness which we've done. But according to his mercy, he saved us. Thank God for grace and mercy. Thank God for grace and mercy. It's not because you're good, it's because he's good. Grace and mercy. He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Is that not why King David, when he fell into sin with Bathsheba, is that not why he wrote Psalm 51? Do you remember? In Psalm 51, he said this, creating me a clean heart, renewing me what a right spirit. And he says, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Why is David saying, God, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me? Because he knew the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit is vital in our lives. Now, let me give you a definition of regeneration. It means new birth, re uh, recreation, and renewal. So when we're born again, we have a new birth. That's redemption. Look at this word renewing. It's only used two times in the New Testament. One is in Romans chapter 12, the renewing of your mind. So this is only two times it's used. It's used in this verse in Titus in, uh, in Romans 12, renewing of your mind. Let me give you a definition. Renovation, a complete change for the better. It indicates process. So the root word, this word means to cause to grow up, to be changed from one state to another that's better. Your attention, please. When you got saved, when you were redeemed, you stepped right in the door of the kingdom of God. Now, this is worth the price of admission. Some people are still right at the door. They're going to go to heaven. They've been redeemed. They're regenerated. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is not just wanting to get you in the door. The Holy Spirit is wanting to renovate your life. The Holy Spirit is wanting to remake your life. I've said this many times. I'm going to say it again today. I don't know if Carrie and I would still be married today if God hadn't done a work in my life. I'm looking at some of you. I'm not for sure about you either. Okay. So if I'm going to renovate a house... Renovate a car, I'm going to take what it was, and I'm going to do what? I'm going to make it better. You got that thought with me? So what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit gives us renovation, a change for the better, from one state to a better state. Now, I'm looking for some response here, so I want you to perk up your ears. Could you stand to have a new and improved husband? Ladies, what happened to you? 
Could you stand to have a new and improved husband? Well, three women said yes. Men, could you stand to have a new and improved wife? Y'all are so chicken. The early service was more vocal than you were. Can we stand to have the new and improved husband, the new and improved wife? Can we have new and improved relationships? Can you stand to be a new and improved father, a new and improved mother, a new and improved friend? Because if you understand the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a renovator. This is what you were. Now you are being changed from glory to glory, faith to faith, by the work of the Holy Spirit to become better than you've ever been before. And now when will that stop? When you die or get to heaven. So as long as you're here, the Holy Spirit's going to keep working on you. You, you know, our, our, our friends, uh, Joel and Labrishka, wrote a song many years ago. He's still working on me. Anybody remember that song? He's still working on me. Guess what? He's still working on you. And he's still working on me. As I was driving home yesterday, I'm in the car, not there for long. I'm thinking about today. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart today to share something with you. I didn't hear it today. I heard it yesterday. Could it be that there's somebody here today, you feel like you're stuck in a situation you'll never get out of? Could that situation be marriage? Could it be with a family issue? Finances, a job? Could be with an addiction? Could be with any situation. And I'm driving home. I really felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart to say, Mike, go and tell them. They don't have to stay where they're at. Because one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to take you where you're at and take you to a better state. Now listen, I'm not saying we don't go through valleys. We don't go through times. We don't go through issues. But I'm telling you in the long run, if you will yield to and listen to the Holy Spirit, you will not have to stay in your current condition. I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me right now. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.